I'm Melissa. I'm Jam. And I'm a chemist. And I'm not. And welcome to Chemistry for Your Life. The podcast helps you understand the chemistry of your everyday life. I almost said bonus edition, but it's not bonus edition. <laughs> I will say on our uh, you on our YouTube live, you gave me this sticker to cover up for the Apple haters. Yes, and um, it's just still living on there. Yeah, I, I, we usually when we've used them in the past, we've like just taped it on, but in the heat of the moment, I just went like psh, psh, and slapped it on, stuck it on there, and didn't even ask. So it didn't. Hopefully, uh, it's okay that it's on there. And Mason did ask me if I was going to keep it on forever because these bubbles bother him. Yeah, that's pretty annoying. So at some point, I may come off, but um, for those of you who are wondering why there's a Chemistry for Your Life sticker on my laptop, that's why. <laughs> Maybe we could, I wonder if it'd be good to take it off sooner or later and then tape another one. Because I don't know if the residue, what that'll be like. We'll see what happens. It's yep. metal under there. I think it'll be okay. If it gets all goopy, just let me know and I'll clean it. All right. I'll, I'll take full responsibility. <laughs> That's nice. Okay. Well, before we get too far into today's episode, I do want to shout out our new listener patron, not new listener. I don't know how long this person's been listening, but our new Patreon supporter, Suzanne P. Awesome. Suzanne, welcome. You've actually been on our, like one of our patrons for about a month or so. We just had gotten ahead of recording. And so just now getting a chance to shout you out, but thank you for supporting the show. Yeah. Just to give a little insight, this is, it's the end of June right now is how far ahead we are. So, but I did reach out to Suzanne and let her know, oh, we might not be, you might not get your episode very quickly, but it's not because <laughs> we're not, we're going to do it the next time we record, but that's for a July episode. Yes. So, okay. So, um, for the meat of today's episode, I'm, uh -huh. I'm doing a question that actually came from our listener, but also in real life, friend and husband, Mason. Okay. So yesterday, oh, go ahead. My friend, just for the people who could see gestures. Right. My friend, and also Melissa's friend, but then usually the first thing you'd lead with probably be like her husband. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then her, also her friend. Yes. So. The, my marriage partner. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and Jam's business partner. Yes. True. Cute. Um, so yesterday I was talking about fiber and, you know, daily dietary fiber because my stomach gets mad a lot. So I kind of have to be up to date with my fiber intake. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And he was like, but what is fiber? Mm. And I, I knew that I had actually tried to get an answer to this before for an episode and I eventually gave up, but. I do want to know. And so I decided to pursue a new satisfying answer as to what is dietary fiber. Okay. Interesting. Okay. So, and also once I got into it, I realized why I gave up and I'll flag that when we talk about it. <laughs> okay. So before I give you any chemistry lessons, what do you know about dietary fiber? And do you have any questions about dietary fiber? Um, let's see if any questions come up as I just ramble, but, um, let's see. I know that dietary fiber, it's typically like one of the best sorts of it, sources of it is, you know, plants. That's what you always hear talked about mm -hmm. various vegetables and grains and other things that might have a good source of fiber in them. One of the things I remember hearing, which I hope this isn't too, I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it other than just, I remember hearing this, that a big part of it is that because there's certain aspects of plants that we just don't have the ability to digest. Mm -hmm. And that is sort of helps in our digestion, move things 
through because it's not something that we need to break down or process. And that a lot of fiber is somewhere in that category. Mm-hmm. And, but that some animals can digest some of that stuff. It's like there's a difference between what humans and certain animals and insects and whatever else can, can digest and, and break down from plants that they eat. But you got about half of that really close and right and half of it kind of wrong. Okay. And I'm not going to talk about uh, other animals at all. Okay. <laughs> I didn't get into that. But half of that you got really good, which is the definition that relates to how you um, are able to digest fiber. The part that's a little bit more questionable is how it helps things move through. You were completely wrong about it, but. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't actually know anything about that part. <laughs> I don't know why it would help. Like, yeah. why that would be better. And other than just the fact that like, it doesn't, like our bodies don't have to do anything. Like, yeah. it's like, oh, all right, just move that on through. Let that keep going. But it doesn't actually make logical sense to me. Like, well, I don't, that I will answer for okay. you. Cool. So that's exciting. Yeah, it's very cool. And some of it doesn't really do that, and some of it does. So we got to talk about it. Here's another question I have. Okay. That might not come up. Why would it be good for someone who has di- digestion problems, depending on what their problems are? Why would fiber be a good thing? Wouldn't it potentially be possible that you'd want less of it? Yes. There is a sort of a sweet spot of fiber where if you go too much, it might not be good. Yeah. And actually I think there was kind of a scandal. I mean, it was like a very niche scandal. I um, sort of listened to a podcast about this where someone made a diet based around fiber and it. Uh, there's allegations that it caused health issues because mm. they had so much fiber in it. Got it. Okay. So, um, but yes, I agree. There is a sweet spot. So here's why I gave up and why I didn't know what fiber was for a long time. Okay. So to directly quote a source from 2005, there is no globally agreed definition of dietary fiber. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I can see what you mean. I can see that would be frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Problems with dietary fiber arise from the lack of a universally agreed and reliable method to quantify all the components of dietary fiber. So they went on to list some other issues with fiber in that article, but I did pull out something consistently from a lot of different sources that I think will be a valuable definition that we can use to talk about what dietary fiber is. Okay. And that is much like what you said, it is the edible part of a plant that is not digestible to us. Okay. The human body doesn't have enzymes to digest it. Okay. However, it may be beneficial to bacteria in our intestines. It may undergo a, like a fermentation, I guess, type of process. Okay. But not like a human body breakdown process. Right. Um, one source that I read said that in 1981, over 100 scientists took part in a discussion on the definition of dietary fiber and methods for its quantification. But up till 1999, the EU and other countries were still de- deciding about a good definition for it. Mm. So it's been in a gray area, I feel like, for the long time. And before the 80s, it was sort of discounted as being valuable at all. Like it sort of newly became something in the 80s that we realized had more valuable properties. Wow. and became more of interest, I think. Interesting. Yeah. It was just considered, you know, extra material from the plants and we didn't really have to worry about it. Yeah. 
So, and this is kind of an aside. It's, it's different than the definition we use, but I kind of want to put out and a help all to our biochemistry friends because there was a consistent chemistry definition that I was unsatisfied with, and that was called a non-starch polysaccharide. So saccharide means sugar, polysaccharide is lots of sugar, so a type of polymer. But the non-starch, I could not clarify, it kind of took me down a rabbit hole that, hole that I didn't feel was super helpful to our listeners, but about what defines a starch versus, um, or like a non-starch versus a starch. Mm. I couldn't get a satisfying answer. So, And I felt like, oh, this isn't really useful to the episode, but if someone out there and that's, I think I found that definition and had the same frustration last time. And again, that's probably why I gave up. <laughs> but if someone out there can give a succinct, clear definition of that, that would be very helpful. But all that to say, I think the best de- definition for our purposes today is the edible part of the plant that is not digested, but may support bacteria in the intestines. Okay. So fiber is classified into two different kinds, soluble and insoluble. Okay. And solubility, this, I guess we're not going to have a traditional chemistry lesson, but we are going to use chemistry concepts that you already know. Okay. So do you know what solubility is? Solubility. And our listeners can pause and think as well. Like, Oh, what is, what is the definition of solubility? Is solubility like dissolvable? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. How much of something can dissolve, you know, okay. is ability to dissolve in a liquid. Um, do you know why some things are more soluble than others? So it, it, this would refer to the thing that you're trying to dissolve, correct? You would describe something as soluble. Oh, yeah. Like this is so, like salt is soluble in water. Yeah. Okay. So it's about the thing, not the. Okay. Um, why something would be more soluble? Mm-hmm. As a chemistry concept. And maybe a good thing to think about is um, when something dissolves in something else, it's not like that thing is breaking apart or anything. Essentially, the molecules of the liquid, is called the solvent, is surrounding the thing that's being dissolved. Mm, okay. So something that's more soluble, more of that can be dissipated in the liquid. Something that's less soluble, less of that will be dissipated in the liquid. Yeah. Um, you want me to give it to you? <laughs> I guess with like the structure of how the the size of the molecules and their ability to maybe like be able to not break apart, but like distribute. So it's like, it's obviously still, there's still, little pieces of salt like particle size. particles but they can do that they can actually come apart without without the salt itself coming apart if that makes sense well salt's kind of a specific case where okay. it actually does come apart because it's an ionic compound so it can separate but i think maybe a better way to think about it is what thing have we learned about where we talk about how a molecule interacts with other molecules Oh, intermolecular forces. Yeah. Okay. So solubility is about how well can this molecule be surrounded by other molecules. Okay. So particle size and it still being even called a particle, that's more suspension. Mm -hmm. And like uh, 
I think that's a little bit more in a too far area of chemistry. So bring it back into more basic chemistry. Intermolecular okay. forces is like an individual atom being surrounded by water, for right. example. And would that in, and end, up, end up including, in some cases, like polarity or non-polarity? Yes. Because something wouldn't want to dissolve if it's you're trying to put it in something very different from itself. Yes. Right? So I think salt does not dissolve as well in oil as it does in water. Ah. Or even sugar, I think, would go well more well, would dissolve more easily in water than oil. Okay. That's my guess based yeah. on intermolecular forces. So it is all about intermolecular forces, but um, so that's your little solubility reminder. Okay. Generally in chemistry, it's about how well can something dissolve in something else. Okay. Typically it's about intermolecular forces. Sometimes there's some really very big, long thing that has a hard time dissolving in water. Particle size would come in play or whatever, but we're not talking about that. Okay. In dietary fiber, soluble and insoluble fiber is actually only referring to water. Okay. So there is types of fiber that can dissolve in water, and then there there are types of water that can dissolve in water. <laughs> what? <laughs> there are types of fiber that can dissolve in water, and there are types of fiber that cannot dissolve in water. Okay. So the kind that dissolves in water, we'd call that soluble fiber. The kind that doesn't is insoluble fiber. So it's not soluble in everything or not soluble in everything. It's specifically water in this case. Right. And I guess that makes sense too because you you probably would have a hard time categorizing something that broadly if it could be soluble or insoluble in anything. Yeah. Like if you say, this is insoluble. And be like, oh, have you tested everything? <laughs> in like, what? Yeah. Period? Insolvable period? Yeah. Um. Yes. So there's those two kinds and insoluble fiber that doesn't dissolve in water, it it actually though can attract water. Okay. So that's um, something sometimes called hygroscopic or sometimes you would say hydrophilic, like it's water loving. Mm. Um, so it can attract water, but it's not going to break down in water. So it sort of is able to, it's attracting water, can attract water to your stool mm. and it sort, sort of can help bulk up your uh, fecal matter and the softer, larger fecal matter can pass faster through your intestine. That's exactly how Miralax works. I don't know if it's insoluble or soluble though, because doesn't it dissolve in water? Well, I don't know, but this is based on just the the way that my wife dumbed down the explanation for me <laughs> is that it draws water into into your stool. stool. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking. Oh, I might have been thinking of Metamucil, which is the fiber supplement. You're uh, talking Miralax is a stool softener. Yes. Yes. So it does the same thing, which is which makes sense. It's like if you don't have if you're having some problems and you it's kind of too late or like I guess you could eat some fiber or you could drink some stuff or whatever but you do sort of dissolve it but who knows if it actually really dissolves or if it just yeah distributes itself in the water yeah I've wondered about that with Metamucil I don't know what kind of fiber it is I probably should have looked it up before this episode but yeah. what can you do yeah hindsight 2020 so funny because I didn't think about that being the same way that like just fiber implants would work yeah and that then making something like Miralax um would be like, oh, we want to mimic the thing that's already happening, mm -hmm. but just make it be a, a sort of like faster, quicker. Instantaneous. Instant, yeah. yeah. And maybe more, maybe a lot more in, intense than like fiber would be. Yeah. Maybe it's like, this is like eating like 30 carrots or something like that. <laughs> 30 carrots. You're just only taking the fiber out of it. <laughs> yeah. 
I would now I am interested to see how stool softeners works. I can maybe put that in my brain. So that's insoluble fiber though. So okay. insoluble fiber does exactly what you said at the top of the show. Okay. You're like insoluble fiber. It is um, that not digestible by our body. It bulks up our stool. It softens our stool by attracting water and it sort of passes out. Okay. Okay. The, but the part where I was like, oh, you're wrong about this part is insoluble fiber kind of does the opposite. Okay. <laughs> or soluble fiber. Sorry. Okay. Wait. Insoluble does what you said. Yep. Soluble. Sort of does the opposite. Okay. Soluble fiber, it does dissolve in water and it actually can make you feel full by mm. slowing down how quickly food leaves the stomach. Okay. And by how quickly some things are absorbed into the bloodstream. So a big one for that is glucose. Okay. So glucose can be really rapidly absorbed in the bloodstream if it's not consumed with fiber, but if it or specifically soluble fiber, but if it is consumed with that kind of fiber, it can slow down that process, making you feel fuller for longer, getting a longer energy hit, you uh -huh, know, instead uh -huh. of just like really quick, we're going to get a boost of energy and then we're going to, you know, get tired. If you have your soluble fiber with that sugar intake, it can sustain your energy and give you energy over a long period of time instead mm. of fast and quick. Interesting. So that kind of fiber sort of slows down digestion. And it, and it, I guess I'm guessing that's a really good thing as long as there's not like a ton of that only. I like, think a ton of both is bad. Okay, got it. I think it's good to get both. Right, right. Okay. You wouldn't want anything going way too slow or way too fast. Yeah. Yeah. And what's weird is it seems like Dietary fiber does not clarify which one is which. And I think that could be because both of them occur right. in plants often. That's funny though, because like then, then when you're saying dietary fiber, if you're talking about both, you're, not, you're, which makes sense because they're both in our diets and they're both things that are in what we could eat, but you're not talking about one thing. It's sort of like you're talking about yin and yang, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. They like sort of go together. Yeah. So I think that's been part of why it's hard to give it a formal definition to dietary fiber because there are these two different sort of classes of molecules that one does one thing, the other does the other thing, but they sort of appear in nature together. Mm -hmm. So some examples of insoluble fiber is um, lignin, which we talked about in the vanilla episode. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, yes, yes. I was like, where did I hear that? Yes. Okay. And then we also um, have talked about cellulose before, but not extensively. Mm -hmm. Often found in plant walls. Lignin also often found in plant walls. And then also lignin acts as a, um, it like does the rigidity in wood. Mm. is a big thing that lignin does. And what's cool about lignin is it has parts of it that repel water. So it actually helps in the vascular system of plants, water move through it, but it also has parts that attract water, mm. which is how it attracts water in our gut. Got it. Got it. So that's cool. Some common example. Well, the most common example, the only hard and fast one that I can find of soluble fiber is pectin. Okay. And we've talked about pectin before. Do you remember when? Man. I wouldn't have gotten lignin. It would take me forever. So <laughs> you said it so quickly that I was like, oh yeah, that all sounds right. Pectin, pectin. Our listeners are going to know about the pectin because they're going to have listened to this in the re-release um, that uh, we're going to, we're recording out of order. Got it. Okay. On purpose so that we could have this moment. Do you yes. want me to lay it on you? Is there any hint you could give me or is it just going to be two? Bakers probably know this. Bakers. Especially like 
great British bake-off style, like hardcore bakers that make every element of their cakes or other, maybe home bakers also. Does this go, is this back to the baking powder baking soda stuff? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wonder if I can, how could I, I don't know how to narrow it down without it was just telling you. So okay. I'm just going to tell you. Just tell me. It's the thing that gives jams and jellies its structure. Uh, okay. And so that's how I imagine, I don't know if it's accurate, but that's how I imagine soluble fiber in our bodies. It just like is able to be dissolved in water and make a gel. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Got it. And chia seeds have a lot of fiber. Theirs is primarily insoluble fiber. But I've wondered if that gel that forms would Uh be a form of soluble fiber from chia seeds. Interesting. Because that's sort of how pectin feels. You can buy pectin. Yeah, it's coming back to me. I remember Mm -hmm. you saying that you can buy it Mm -hmm. and mix it in and and make stuff with it or whatever. And usually industries produce it like uh, from, you know, if you peel an orange and you have that white part. Uh Uh-huh. If they make orange juice, they'll take that part and get pectin out of it. Or for um, apple juice, they take the leftover pressed apples and isolate pectin from that. So they're using every part of the fruit. Interesting. Isn't that cool? Yeah, that's super cool. Also, wow, I don't, there's so much about that episode I probably don't remember. It'll be very interesting to listen back to it. Yeah. Because like, that was, how long ago was that? Or did you happen to look? It was early 2021, March of 2021. So that's more like two and a half years. Yeah, Wow. Yeah. We've been doing this podcast for a long time, which sometimes <laughs> I forget. Yep. Yep. <laughs> okay. It doesn't always feel like it. That's for sure. So that that's the most common one okay. packed in. Okay. Um, there, recently there was a push to get something called acacia gum or Arabic gum mm-hmm. because it is also the sa- same kind of thing. It's a soluble dietary fiber. So people petitioned to have the FDA add it and they did. And I think that was in 2016. Interesting. So it says gums and gels in the soluble fiber, but pectin was like the only solid thing that I could consistently pull out. Okay. Got it. So um, that's essentially dietary fiber, but all those things that I just referenced, examples of both soluble and insoluble fiber, have something in common at the molecular level. I'm quizzing you a lot because these are all old lessons that okay. come up a lot. All so right. okay. Um, there's <laughs> cellulose. Lignin and pectin are some that I gave you. Okay. They all have something in common at the molecular level. Can you make a guess about what that might be? <sighs> you don't have to. I could just okay. tell you. Um, I believe you know it. All of those have something similar at the molecular level mm-hmm. that makes them, and those are all in the soluble? No, soluble and insoluble have oh, something okay, in okay. common. Oh, that's something in common. Cellulose. Okay. Cellulose and lignin are insoluble, and then pectin is soluble. Okay. Now something in common. They all went to the same school. (laughs) (laughs) Kind (laughs) of. Okay, I'll tell you. Okay. They're all polymers. Oh, man. I should have just gone for it. That's like (laughs) one of those where, like, I could, if I wasn't trying to get it right, and I was just going based off of, like, how many times have this thing come up in our podcast? Yeah. I probably could 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 go with like, is it a polymer? <laughs> or is it intermolecular forces? Yeah, I know. I and knew. Not, <laughs> and not try to think too hard. But that's the problem is like when you think too hard and you want to get it right, you aren't <laughs> guessing obvious things because I wasn't sure. I had no reason to believe that they were other than just that comes up in our podcast mm-hmm. a lot. And because of maybe if I listened to those episodes, it would be like, you know, very obvious. Like, oh 
yeah. I don't know if yeah. we hit on the fact that lignin is a poly- polymer, but cellulose definitely. Okay. And lignin and cellulose together are the number one and number two. Ce- cellulose is number one, lignin number two, most common organic uh, polymer. Hmm. And they contribute, I think I was listening to a podcast about lignin and it said 30% of biomass from lignin. Wow. And that's second to cellulose, which makes me think cellulose produces 30 plus percent of biomass. So those two make up 60% of the biomass. Wow. Dang. I know. Isn't that's, that wild? That's crazy. There's a lot of other really interesting stuff about lignin that I wish I could give you all the fun facts about it. I think that that is from an episode of Chemistry World uh, podcast, which is from the Royal Society of Chemistry. And it's uh, it does like short episodes about different molecules. And some of them, I think, are kind of beyond our ability to process unless you're like a chemist in the mm. field. But I think the lignin one would be interesting to a lot of people. So it'll be linked. Nice. Um, but so cellulose and lignin both are in cell walls and pectin in, is in and around cells, like between cells in plants and in cells in plants. Okay. So there's all kinds of, of fiber in these plants. Wow. And that's something when we talk about getting a low carb diet, technically these are carbohydrates. So they, you want to make sure that when you're, you know, putting some kind of dietary restriction with the guidance of a doctor, you are still getting fiber because it can be really beneficial. Mm. So that's essentially uh, dietary fiber. It's polymers that are from plants that are edible, but they aren't broken down really in our digestive system. And so they either speed up digestion in our bowels or they slow absorption of glucose into our bloodstream. Okay. Dang. There you go. Wow. Do you want to try to take a stab at explaining that back to me? I mean, it was kind of a weird one where we just had chemistry lessons aside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, yes, I will. I'll, I'll, I feel like a, a analogy was on the tip of my tongue, sort of. Like I was starting to almost get one piece together and then it started slipping away from me a little bit. Sometimes you start thinking of an analogy and then you realize quickly like, oh, but then it doesn't quite go th- as far as you want it to, you know, you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, wait, it really kind of works early and it seems really promising. And then you kind of get further in your head and you're like, oh, wait, I don't know if that works. But here, here's what I was thinking of. And then we, you usually whenever I come up with an analogy, even if it's like only half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Usually you can think of modifications to it that make it more. That's true. Yeah. So, so we can work together. Yes. Work together. So first I was thinking classic situation, classic. Um, analogy for digestion would be like roads and traffic, mm. right? Um, and there's things moving, regardless of what we're eating, we are having to eat and there are things needing to use these roadways to get through yeah. or whatever. And so the two different types of fiber, you could probably imagine them being different types of vehicles maybe or okay. like that. So this is exciting. Yeah. I, I don't know where you're going with this. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be so good. <laughs> e- easier. The easiest one would be, um, say, like um, the soluble fiber that slows mm-hmm. things down. You could probably pick either. They're like a um, a street. No, that's not that one. They're, they're like a, they're like semi trucks where okay. they're there. They're moving, but they're going to slow things down inherently if you more and more you add, they're going to slow things down, but they're not, they're not trying to, their mm-hmm. whole goal isn't like stopping everything. Yeah. But traffic is going to slow down just yeah. by their presence. Once you have enough of them there. 
the thing I like about that is they're also helping deliver nutrients. Right, right. And so it's kind of slowing and helping the nutrients be more sustainable. Yeah. So that's good because that's what semi-trucks do. They move food around a lot of times. Then here's the hard thing. This is a tough one. And I think maybe if you've experienced this when you're driving like on a highway, then you'll know what I'm saying. But it's not like a common everyday thing. Okay. But I I have been on roads before. Usually if it's up on like on a long drive somewhere, like when we go to Indiana to see my wife's family, you can sometimes find a situation where there's a group of people who are deciding to go faster than the speed limit <laughs> in a lane, but they kind of band together. Mm-hmm. So you get one car, one brave individual who's like, <laughs> yes, maybe there are cops ahead. I'm going to be a safe driver. I'm going to go five, six, seven over, mm-hmm. hang out in the left lane. Who's with me? <laughs> and once that happens, though, then the flow of traffic can kind of go that way people who yeah. are willing to go fast also so that would be like the insoluble where it's like bringing things with it mm-hmm. to move things more quickly um those things in the case of the addition will be water drawing water into our stool so that it um, can can be sort of softened and and fuller and pass through more quickly yes but in the traffic situation that i've experienced it which has just not been a ton of times when it works it's great though because yeah then everyone's like, yep, we're good. And if someone's going to get pulled over, it'll be one of us at random, but at least mm-hmm. none of us are alone in this. There's one quarter chance or whatever. Yes. Yeah. And I think I think what's good about that, if it works right, is that faster traffic is drawn to and moving on one side. And, um, and all, but the flow of all traffic is benefited from that. Yeah. If done correctly. And if no one's being reckless and dumb and selfish. Yeah. Um, those, that's the closest I could come up with. I like that one. I thought you were maybe going to say like, oh, um, insoluble fiber is like a bus where it just gets more people at once to where it needs to oh, go. Nice. It's like bigger and bulkier. That's good. But then there's not the equivalent of that for, for the insoluble fiber. That right. Like, except the same. So I think that's good. Yeah. I like that analogy. That's really good. On my, on my way there, I almost thought, I almost thought motorcycles cause they can move between things. Um, but that wouldn't help other cars. Ooh, I just thought of another one. Oh yeah. What if it was like, um, a cleaning situation? So Mm -hmm. you have a house cleaner that comes in once a week or once a month and they do a quick clean of everything and everything's cleaned up. Yes. And that's great. And then, but you should also have an organization system Mm. and that slows things from, from getting crazy in the first place. Yes. Yes. So it's like, it's like mess. We've got mess and that's what our digestion system is transporting. Mm-hmm. So the organization system, soluble fiber keeps things from getting crazy too quickly. Mm-hmm. And then a cleaning crew that comes in and does like a quick clean and then moves on. Yeah, is like the okay. insoluble. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Hopefully that'll be helpful to people. Yeah. But I thought that was interesting. And now, you know, at the molecular level, they're just all basically polymers that we can't break down. Interesting. That plants make. Thanks, plants. Yeah. That's crazy. And what's crazy is at a basic level, all of our food is just the sun turned energy. I mean, that's the food chain, but plants take energy from the sun and make food to sustain everything that's alive on the earth. Wow. Maybe not insects, but I think even insects. Yeah. Yeah. Wild, right? Yep. Kind of cool. Um, okay, so you've earned yourself a fun fact. Okay. 
There's a lot of fun facts. I strongly encourage you to go listen to that episode about lignin because I was like, whoa, on chemistry world. It's like five minutes. Um, Both forms of dietary fiber can prevent colon cancer or Mm. they they can help fight against it. The language is vague. Here's how though. Okay. Insoluble fiber, because the larger, softer stool moves through your intestine faster. If there's anything carcinogenic causing cancer in your stool, it's your colon is exposed to that for less time. Okay. So that's insoluble fiber. Okay. Soluble fiber does something that we didn't talk about, but it can, it can bind to um, acid. So bile acid are released into the intestines to help with fat digestion. Mm-hmm. And those can turn into possibly carcinogenic things in the intestine. Okay. So our body can even turn our own stuff from our own body into carcinogenic things, which uh-huh. is crazy. That is crazy. I know. This is one of the things where like when people, you know how people will be like, yeah, I had a scare of this sort of, of this kind. So I started like eating healthier and blah, 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 blah. And, and then there's people who have theories about like that. They'll kind of just say like eating healthier, is just going to prevent blah, 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 all this stuff. But then you learn about chemistry the the actual details of stuff where obviously this doesn't help protect you from every kind of cancer ever, but it's like, okay, here's a little secret built in nature thing. Yeah. That if we were to eat more dietary fiber would help at least decrease these chances here. Yeah. Of getting this specific kind of cancer. I know. But sometimes I think the average person is just like, you know, if you eat healthier, Less chance of cancer. It's like they over, we oversimplify <laughs> But here's it. a specific of how. Yeah. Also probably eating less fats because the bile acid are, are released into the intestine to help fat digestion. Mm. So maybe not less fats, but like healthier fats that are easier for our body to digest would mean less bile. Mm. But it's like both of those yeah. are good. But if you're eating too much fat and not enough fiber, that's like a not good combo. I'm not a doctor nor a registered dietitian. So don't, this is just me based on the chemistry. Yeah. The FDA does recommend 25 to 30 grams of fiber a day. Okay. And the average European and American get roughly half of that or less. Oh no. It's like 15 ish. Dang. I wonder how much I get. So I oftentimes log my food because I was trying to figure out why my stomach was always mad. Mm -hmm. And I, nowadays usually get above 20 nice and a big part of that is smoothies with chia seeds and a trick i learned from a really cool registered dietitian on tiktok Uh is um she cuts up yellow squash and freezes it and uses that as a base for smoothies instead of ice oh nice and so for like an easy breakfast she'll just do those smoothies and a protein drink Uh and blend it up wow but I do it with chia seeds and then like protein powder or something. Yeah. And then almond milk. So that is a good way that I get fiber. But also I pretty much exclusively eat lentil pasta now, mm. which is not as good as other kinds of pasta, but it does have a noticeable impact on my digestion. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a little bit about fiber. Wow. Does that make you really wonder? You're like, should I log my food and see how much fiber I get? <laughs> yeah, and I have logged food off and on before for different reasons. Mm-hmm. And if, when I get in the habit, it's actually really nice. You're just aware of what you're eating. And regardless of what your goals are, it's, it makes you very aware of that, which yeah. is really cool. But I've never actually looked at any of the trends other than um, calorie-related goals. 
I've never looked at other trends like I what's love the fiber or what's looking the, at that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I've never done that. It's so satisfying. There's lots of links to like fiber and um, colon reduction. And then there's stuff about protein and weight loss. And it's really interesting to, to have like, I love data, you know? So I'm like, Oh, yeah. I get data on my own body. I love that. Yeah. I do like, I do like data. I guess part of it's because I, it's hard, hard enough to do it in the first place. And it's, not as interesting to me as other data that I have to know yeah. about, you know, but I probably, if I had more problems that I need to deal with, which could easily happen, then I'd care a lot. Yeah. I'd be looking for whatever thing might be hold the key, you know, yeah. which is exactly what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. You're like, which of these things might actually matter Yeah, <laughs> to make a difference? <laughs> I do think having a good mixture of the like insoluble and soluble fibers helps because before I think I just got a lot of like, you know, like salad, like yeah. celery, that kind of stuff. I feel like that wasn't as good as some right. other things, but yeah. who knows? I'm not a dietitian. Yeah, I will say though, I not, do eat food every day though. Not encouraging you to log calories if you have an unhealthy relationship with food or anything. But for me, that was interesting to see how much, just how much fiber did I usually get? Yeah. And then how can I increase this in relatively easy ways, like swapping out regular pasta for lentil pasta Mm-hmm. has a really positive impact on my digestion, you know? So in all of our pasta meals that we make, that's what we yeah, usually yeah. use. So, um, yeah, that's something interesting. Maybe our listeners could do. And you even telling us what the average like American and European has in their, in their diet is helpful to know because it's like, okay, you could, you could log it or you could probably just guess that you're probably under what they recommended and just increase it. And you're see pro- how you could increase it. Yeah. 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 You probably most of us could do that without really actually checking how yeah. much we have, knowing that probably it's probably going to be good for us. And it's a good sources of fiber, like whole grains, beans, which I looked up what kind of soluble fiber was in beans, also pectin mm. in that. Um, but yeah, so beans, whole grains, fruits, veggies, those are your dang cool. Those are your main sources. And there's a lot of good information on extension websites. So those are the websites that. Um, there are people who specifically try to go between scientists and the public and make information more available. Mm-hmm. And I've linked those as I always link our um, sources in the show notes. Okay. Sweet. So normally I would finish up with a happy thing for this week, but we also talked about our fiber for a little while. So what do you think? Quick, quick, happy thing and then wrap it up. Let's do a quick one. Yep. Okay. You can go first. Okay. My quick one is that. I, just in the past couple of weeks, took me a little longer than usual to do this, um, but finally got back into my cold brew system. Nice. Okay, I was wondering what your cold brew system is. If you could quickly give it to me. I can quickly give it to you. Not not an endorsement, but I use the Toddy cold brew system. Mm-hmm. Benefit, paper filter and felt filter. Two filters, neither of them metal. Um, cleans out all the silt and all that kind of stuff, which is great. And I do a six to one ratio. So six parts water to one part coffee. I was like, wait, I was like, where I was going to say that wrong. Okay. Six <laughs> be, to one. It'd be very hard if you did it the other way around. <laughs> um, and that makes it a concentrate. Okay. Yes. I was wondering how to make a concentrate. Yes. So I do, I do six to one and then it makes it concentrated enough where I think I've played with it enough where I think you are getting as much of the coffee dissolved as you can. If you go more concentrated, I don't know that you can actually get more 
you know. Okay, yeah. So you're leaving some there undissolved, yeah. which you're, means you're wasting some. So six to one, and then whenever I pour it, uh, after I've, I, I brew it for 16 hours, and after it's done, when I pour some into a glass for myself, I do um, equal parts of the concentrate and water. Nice. So, yeah, but that's been really fun. I hadn't, I like to do it every time it gets hot, but it just took me a while to get back into that groove and be like, oh, I need to make some cold brew. I need to make some cold brew. Finally did it, and I'm loving being back in the cold brew zone. It's like nice. just a fun seasonal coffee yeah. change for someone, for a coffee nerd like me. So Sort of like the switch into fall, but yes. for coffee. Yep, exactly. I have for some reason been enjoying cold brew lately, and I don't know why because I don't usually, I had gotten to where I basically never drink coffee anymore, but yeah. It, when Mason would come home from roasting, he'd smell like coffee. And I was like, mm, that smells good. So yeah. it kind of got in my head, I think. Yeah. And he could do, I don't know if he told you this, but I, I intentionally use some decaffeinated coffee. Mm-hmm. So it's just not quite as like intense yeah. caffeine because it's the numbers. People have different ways of calculating this, but there's, it's a lot more caffeine usually. In the cold brew. That's mm-hmm. good to know. So we, we've done that um, and it doesn't affect the flavor too much. And so I... I, yeah, I like using a little bit of decaf. So you because might do some that. people say that decaf coffee is gross. And to learn more about that, go listen to our episode. <laughs> about decaffeinated coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Okay. So I am, for my happy thing this week, I was going to talk about um, resting. So yeah. our church right now is doing a series on rest and like how important it is to rest. And so we've been um, taking like days of rest intentionally on the weekends and as someone whose schedule is so crazy, it is really wonderful. Mm. And so um, I kind of, uh, I think Emily called it a day with no have tos or shoulds, like a day where you don't have to do anything and you don't feel like you should do something. You can just do the things that you know, bring you joy and that you delight in and use that to rejuvenate your system going forward. And it's been really, really nice. So nice. I wanted to tell our listeners to try it. Yeah. Just take a day, be off your phone or be off social media, you know? So like texting my friends makes me happy sometimes though, but I'm like social media scrolling ultimately does not usually make me feel good. (laughs) Like I learn things on it. So sometimes that's good. Like the dietitian check that I told you about, but yeah, but not, it's usually not for the best. So totally. I've really enjoyed doing that. Just taking like a, like an unplugged day where we also, we try to minimize plans. Like there are some Saturdays where there's stuff like every hour planned out mm-hmm. and it's been really nice to have no things planned. Like we can wake up and say, let's go for a walk, you know? Yeah. It's like there's things we know we want to do, but we don't have to do it at any time. Yeah, totally. So that's been really nice. Yeah. That's super nice. That's how we do vacation too. Mm-hmm. It's like there's things we want to do. But mostly we don't have a plan. Yeah, don't have a too detailed itinerary. Yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah, that's been really nice, and I've really enjoyed it. That's my happy thing. That's awesome. Well, um, and I think Josh had a lot to do. Oh, I said Josh. I think Jam <laughs> had a lot to do with um that being involved in our uh, church. So thanks for that, and thanks for being excited about fiber. Also, anytime. Thanks for teaching me, and um. And kind of, yeah, delving into something I'd really only just heard stuff about, but never really looked into at all. Yeah. So very cool and very everyday. And cool that there's not a ton of like, oh, there's not a ton of solid information. So it's helpful to have time to process through it. Yeah. 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 And like most of us hear about that kind of stuff is like, 
part of the truth, maybe just a sliver of it, and also mm -hmm. has probably a bunch of other stuff that's not true or at least not the full picture. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the classic stuff for like, yeah, diet related things. So anyway, well, thanks for teaching us. And Melissa and I have a lot of ideas for topics of chemistry in everyday life, but we want to hear questions from you, ideas from you, just like this one came from Mason. So is that right? Is that what you said? Yeah, okay, Mason yeah. asked it. Yeah. Yeah. And we want to hear your ideas and questions. So reach out to us at our website at chemforyourlife.com. That's chem, F-O-R, yourlife.com to share your thoughts and ideas. If you'd like to help us keep our show going and contribute to cover the cost of making it, go to patreon.com slash chemforyourlife or to the link in our show notes or the show description to join our super cool community patrons like, uh, patrons like Suzanne did. And if you're not able to do that, you can still help us by subscribing on your favorite podcast app, subscribing on, on YouTube as well, and then rating and writing a review for our podcast on Apple Podcasts because that also helps us to share chemistry with even more people. That really does help us to share chemistry with even more people. And we're starting to do shout outs to some of our reviews in our bonus episodes. So check mm -hmm. that out as well. Mm -hmm. This episode of Chemistry Free Life was created by Melissa Collini and Jam Robinson. Jam Robinson is our producer. And this episode was made possible by our financial supporters on Patreon, including our new supporter, Suzanne P., who this episode was dedicated to. It means so much to us that you want to help make chemistry accessible to even more people and that you've we've helped us reach over a million downloads is so exciting. Those supporters are Abishai B, Bree M, Brian K, Chris and Claire S, Chelsea B, Derek L, Emerson W, Hunter R, Jacob T, Christina G, Lynn S, Melissa P, Nicole C, Nellie S, Stephen B, Shadow, Suzanne P, Timothy P, and Venus R. Thank you all again for everything you do to make chemistry for your life happen. Right, I have something. <laughs> <laughs> and if you'd like to learn more about today's chemistry lesson, check out the references for this episode in our show notes and in the description of the video. And yay chemistry. Yay chemistry. <laughs> <laughs>